Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Everybody good with that? Let's do it. We are in week four of this series called The Mount, and what we've been doing is we've been looking at uh, the very beginning of the greatest sermon that was ever given. It's a sermon given by Jesus on a, on a mountainside. Uh, you may have heard it called the Sermon on the Mount, and what we're focusing on really is the first opening statements that Jesus made, maybe the preamble to uh, that sermon itself. And uh, there are nine principles that we, we are looking at week after week, and today we're taking a look at the fourth one. My hope for you today is that, uh, that you'll lean in, that maybe you haven't been somebody who takes notes in the past, but I believe that if we show up ready to take notes, that means that we are ready for God to speak to us. Amen, everybody? And I don't care if you use the, the note section on the back of a Connect card or a note section on your phone. Just make sure you ain't crushing candy while we're talking, right? Because uh, I believe God's got something for you today. And, uh, and so my hope is that he'll speak to you because I believe that what, what, what I had to share can change your life. And, and I don't know if you've been looking for something different, but I believe that God has it for you. We're in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 6, and it says this, Blessed are those... Who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, blessed, of course, doesn't mean what we think of blessed. It means that there's, there's, uh, it's, a, it's a happiness that has nothing to do with your circumstances or the stuff that you have. It's a happiness that flows from a relationship with God. So, so happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's the fourth one today. And I love this metaphor that he's using. He says, Happy, blessed are those who hunger, those who have an appetite for, those who have a craving for, those who are in pursuit of righteousness. Because if you have an appetite, he said, you're going to find it. You're going to find what you're looking for. You will be filled. Now, this word filled in this, in this particular uh, uh, beatitude is, is translated different ways. Let me just show it to you because I want to expand on what that would mean. The Living Bible says it this way, happy are those who long to be just and good for they shall be completely satisfied. Completely satisfied. So, so filled means to be completely satisfied. Not just that you're full, because I, I would guess that there's people here that have been full on something, but not satisfied, right? So, so you'll be completely satisfied. The New Century Version says this, those who want to do right more than anything else are happy because God, oh, now here's the source of that satisfaction. God will fully satisfy them. So today's message I dedicate to everyone in this room who is not fully satisfied. It means you've been doing life, been doing all kinds of stuff, working at a lot of things, trying a lot of things, pursuing a lot of things. But in your pursuit of all those things, you've been coming up empty. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. What a great metaphor. I know this will be no surprise to you guys, but I like to eat. Anybody here ever been hungry and you go to the refrigerator and you open it up and you just kind of stand there and you look and then you walk away from that refrigerator a few minutes, you're back, you got the refrigerator open again. Maybe, maybe you're, doing, you're doing dually like I can because my refrigerator and my pantry are right here. <laughs> I 
And you stand there and you don't grab something because you're just not sure what you're hungry for. And maybe you snacked on a few things already, but you're back at the refrigerator again because what you ate before didn't satisfy you. It didn't fulfill you. Or maybe you've gone to a fancy restaurant and everything at that restaurant, everything on the menu looks good, like Cheesecake Factory. Anybody ever gone to Cheesecake Factory? They give you like a thousand page book to look through. There's just so much to choose from. And it's a little over, what, what do I pick? I'm not really sure what will scratch that itch and will satisfy me. What a picture of life that is, isn't it? What a picture of life. We have many options. We try a lot of different things, but very few things actually satisfy us, leave us feeling fulfilled and full. And the more we try, I think oftentimes the more lost we feel. We're like, like that uh, U2 song, we still haven't found yeah, I like the participation. That's awesome. Some of you are like, I don't know who you two is. And that's all right. They say, me too, you too. I don't know what's going on. But they have a song, Stuff and Found What We're Looking For. We've tried a bunch of stuff, haven't found what we're looking for. But we keep looking. And I believe today that God has a solution for you. I believe that if you're willing to, to try what he has for you, the meal that he is offering you will satisfy you. In fact, he promises that you'll never hunger or thirst again. And if you're not totally satisfied in your pursuits today, lean in. Lean in because God has something for you because you're not alone in that. In fact, the, the wisest guy who ever lived, his name was Solomon. He was a king and he was famous. He was wealthy, uh, the, the, wiser than any king that, that ever walked this earth. And people came to him. They flocked to him to listen to his wisdom. And yet he understood the vanity in all these pursuits, how empty all of them were. He had those, that fame, he had the riches, he had the wisdom, and yet he wrote a miserable bulbul, a miserable bulbul. <laughs> Lainey, did she transfer her mess to me? Good Lord, can I buy a vow, please? My mom used to like to say, just had a vow movement, sorry about that. <laughs> My mom still says that, by the way. She's still here with us. Sorry, I just want to be clear. Uh, but uh, she still says that. Anyway, uh, he wrote a miserable book. It's called Ecclesiastes. And this is 12 chapters of his journey of trying it all and coming up empty. The, in fact, uh, the first thing that he tries in chapter 1, if you were to go and read this miserable book, you'll find in chapter 1 what he tries out first is, Knowledge, it's education. I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to be learned. I'm going to get a whole bunch of alphabet soup behind my name so that people respect me. I'm going to elevate myself so that I, I, I accomplish some stuff and people have to honor me. People have to revere me. And, and so he goes out and he does that. And it says in chapter 1, verse 18, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. And at the end of Ecclesiastes, he says this about all of his learning. Of making many books, there is no end, and much studies, or much study wearies the body. Can I get a witness on my students out there? Right? <laughs> Education didn't satisfy him. It left him empty. So he tries, tries different experiences in life. He tries going out and putting all his time and effort into his career. Puts it all into achievements and vacations. And in chapter 2, verse 10, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. If he wanted it, he got it. If he saw it and it looked fun, he did it. 
It didn't matter what it was. He denied himself no pleasure that he desired. He said, my heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything. Come on, somebody say everything. Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. You know, you can't catch the wind, right? This is pointless. I mean, it'll give you something to do, but you ain't never going to catch it. He said, nothing was gained under the sun from, from his work, his career, to all the pleasures of life, all of his accomplishments, his degrees, none of it mattered. And so he says, well, maybe if I try a little harder, maybe if I work a little harder, maybe if I work a little longer, maybe I give more hours to it. And so what does he do? He becomes a workaholic. In fact, he, 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 he's working so much that now he's even dreading the work that he was doing in the first place. He, he dreaded Mondays because Mondays was the start of the work week. Can anybody relate? He says this in chapter 2 again. He said, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. Why? Because it didn't matter. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things that I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. He's like, it doesn't even matter. Even if I accomplish a lot, even if I gain a lot, if I get money, and if I get, if I, if I get big house, big car, none of it matters because somebody else is going to take it when I die. You know why? Because you can't take it with you. Satisfaction wasn't in his career and his work. He thought, you know what? Maybe I'll be fulfilled by money. That's what a lot of us think. We think money is where it's at. We, we spend our lives pursuing it. And Solomon did that. He invested. He, he grew wealthy. He liked all that stuff, which, by the way, growing wealth is a lot of fun. Like, it, it's not necessarily that it's a bad thing. It's just that he was looking for satisfaction in his wealth. And as his wealth grew, he wound up buying a bunch of stuff. It even says that he bought art just to sit there and look at, right? Wow, isn't that pretty? thousands of dollars we do that today again nothing wrong with these things but they won't fully satisfy you and he said in ecclesiastes 5 whoever loves money not has money he said loves money whoever loves money never has enough whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income this too is meaningless as goods increase so do my insurance policies so now i got to put a camera on it to make sure that it's safe I got to clean it. I got to maintenance it. Come on, somebody. Got to spend more time on it. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? Anybody got something like that? You bought something. You were super excited. And you don't actually use it for what it was intended for. What you used it for was to impress people and show them that you have it. Nobody's got a Peloton sitting in their house? Because I do. Never mind, it's another story for another time. We'll keep moving. <laughs> Wealth and stuff didn't satisfy him. What about fame? Surely we have all these opportunities today to be famous, right? We can be Insta-famous. We can be TikTok-famous. We, we can get famous, become an influencer. People are making a lot of money doing it. A lot of money. What about fame? Solomon was king. He had a lot of servants surrounded by a lot of people, everybody taking care of every one of his last needs. 
And yet Solomon, he wasn't alone, but he felt lonely. Do you know why? Because he had no one around him that he could trust, nobody that he could be intimate with, nobody he could be vulnerable with. And it says in Ecclesiastes 4, he said, there was a man all alone, talking about himself. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. His fame didn't satisfy him. It didn't fulfill him. It left him empty. And in chapter 5, he goes on to try other things. In chapter 5, he gets into wine, women, and woes. Come on, somebody. That's what he decides to try. He tries to, he, he's all about partying at this point. And he's all about partying hard because there ain't no party like an Israelite party. Hey, ho. Solomon loved to party so much that he had 700 marriage feasts. You say, oh, didn't, you mean Solomon loved women so much that he had 700 marriage feasts? Maybe. But this dude, I do know this guy liked to party. And a marriage feast was a long party. It was days long. He had 700 wives. That's what 1 Kings 11.3 says. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. That's 1,000 women. So not only is he partying a lot, not only is he enjoying whatever his heart wants and drinking whatever he wants, but he's also exploring his sexuality, partying, doing whatever he pleases. And guess what? It didn't satisfy him. It didn't satisfy him. But if we skip to the end of his story, which that's what I'm hoping will happen for some of you today, that you'll realize, hey, that, that I'm at this point too in my story. You're going to see a shift in him. You're going to realize something about your life, that your search for satisfaction will leave you exactly where it left him if you're trying to find it in all these things he was trying to find it in. He said in chapter 12, this is the last chapter, he said, the last and final word is this, fear God. Fear God. Do what he tells you, and that's it. Now, when Solomon is saying fear God, this is, this is a, something we don't quite understand. A lot of us fear God today, but we're more afraid of God. We're, we're afraid he's going to strike us with lightning. We're afraid that he's going to reject us. We're afraid. But that's not who God is, and that's not his nature. What, what Solomon is saying is to fear God, this is a reverential fear. This is a holy fear. Hey, we understand that he's God, and we ain't, Right? That's what we come to understand. We revere, we honor him. In other translations, that word fear gets, gets translated to worship. We take everything in our lives and we point it towards him and say, hey, you tell us what to do with ourselves. Tell us what to do with our lives. We fear you. We deeply respect you. It's almost like a, that if you're going to come before him, you would bow before him. Fear God. And then he says, do what he says. Now, this is where we push back, isn't it? Because we don't want to do what God says. Sometimes what God says isn't what we want. Sometimes what God says isn't in alignment with our current lifestyles. Sometimes what God says, it's going to cost us a little something. We don't want that. We don't like that. We want to do things our way. I, I think it's because a lot of us, we like to have control. But Solomon continues. He said, eventually, you can do all that stuff. You can keep pursuing control. You can keep pursuing all this stuff that I pursued. He said, but eventually God will bring everything that we do out into the open and judge it according to its hidden intent, whether it's good or whether it's evil. Solomon's saying, listen, if you're searching today, if you're searching and you still haven't found what you're looking for, you can find it today. 
In fact, at the end of today's service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to God. Solomon's saying, get close. Do everything he tells you to do. Live the life that he intends for you. If you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be filled. Solomon said it so clear also in, in another book that he wrote called Proverbs. He wrote the majority of these. These Proverbs are wise sayings. Proverbs 21, 21 says, whoever pursues, pursues, so you have a desire for, means your life is structured in a way that you are going after something. That some things are deprioritized and pursuit of him is prioritized. Whoever pursues righteousness and love, you'll find life, prosperity, and honor. Man, why wouldn't we want these things? Why wouldn't we want to have life, which, by the way, means fullness? Why don't we hunger and thirst for righteousness? What is keeping us from getting all God has for us? Remember, I'm all about getting everything that Jesus paid for with his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But why aren't we all that way? Why aren't we all committed to, to experiencing and obtaining all that God has for us? Why are we satisfied with so little? Have we been in church for too long that, that we hear things and it's just old hat? Well, I've heard that before. Yep, I know where that's at. I, I can tell you where that's at in the Bible. Read it, journaled on it last week. Is, has it just lost its effectiveness? Has it lost its impact to our hearts because we just become so used to hearing it? We've heard it all before. What's really keeping us from hungering and thirsting for God? You know, I, I've been in, uh, in therapy of some sort since 2019, just making sure that I'm mentally healthy. And I believe mentally healthy pastors will, will, and emotionally healthy pastors will lead to healthy churches. Amen, everybody? And so I'm, I'm, I've gone into long, some longer-term therapies and then I continue in my therapy sessions. Do you know what we do in therapy? One of the things we do in therapy is we get curious. Because one of the greatest barriers to change is, is where we, 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 we just aren't even sure why we're doing a thing. We don't know why we feel a certain way. We're not even curious from, from moment by moment of, about what we're feeling, let alone why we're feeling it. And in therapy, we learn to ask the question, huh, where did I hear that message first? Who told me that? I wonder why I'm feeling that tension in this moment. Just asking questions of our behaviors, trying to understand them. Because if we can understand them, if we can isolate where those things came from, if we can identify even the lies that we have built our lives upon, then we can take steps towards change faster and we see our lives transformed. And I think, my friends, we've, we've got to be curious. Why is it we don't hunger and thirst? Why is it we aren't pursuing everything God has for us? Why don't we do everything God said to do? Who told you that you can't have more of God? Who told you to stop Trusting and believing in him and having hope for that thing to be answered, for that prayer, for God to respond to it. Who told you to start trusting yourself? So we've got to take time to look inside to understand what happened to our hunger and our thirst. Now I'm going to give you two reasons why I think 
that we don't hunger and thirst. And then what I'm going to do is, is after I give you those two reasons why, why we don't, uh, I'm going to give you two things that you need to know about righteousness, all right? And that's how we'll wrap up our time. Here's the first reason I think we don't hunger and thirst is that we fill up on the wrong things. You know, it's like you, you came to, to God's table and you already ate. You're full. You're, you're full of all the stuff that Solomon was pursuing. You're, you're, you're full of, of life. You're full of all this other stuff, and when you're trying to fill up on all of it, and, and you've got no room left for what God has for you. You're full, but you're not satisfied. Anybody ever make the mistake of going to a gas station when you're hungry? <laughs> I've made the mistake. And I'll walk into a gas station. I'll grab me a bag of cheddar combos, because those, those are my favorite, or, or even a, a can of Pringles, right? And i got a problem with either one of those things. Because Pringles and combos are kind of synonymous for me because once you pop, yeah, you can't stop. Can't stop. It's like it's my job to finish these things, right? Like I have to. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it doesn't matter that you're five minutes away from home. You will sit with your shame in the driveway and eat those things and then carefully dispose of them in the outside trash can so that you didn't have to share and nobody has to know anything about it. Come on, somebody. I just got it in your world, didn't I? Or you took it and you tucked it underneath your seat because you think nobody's going to see it there, right? And that's where it will live forever. <laughs> but we fill up on empty stuff, right? Stuff, empty calories, and then we get home and you find out that, man, somebody's got a spread of food waiting on you. And it's like your favorite. It's like everything you want in your Chipotle bowl. There's some chips. They got the extra cheese. But I'm already full. I already ate. And to, to, to do that, it would make me sick. It wouldn't be pleasant. I think we do that, don't we? We spoil our, our spiritual appetites by filling up on other things. We fill up on the wrong things. And like I said, we need to consider our lives. Consider what is it you are filling up on. Ask the questions. Like Solomon, if you're finding yourself dissatisfied, what is it that you are filling up on right now? What is it you're looking for satisfaction? What's on your list? You don't need to tell me. You just need to ask yourself the questions. Truth of the matter is, is that if it's not God's best for us, the Bible says that what we're filling ourselves up on is sin. And don't get me wrong. The Bible tells us that sin is pleasant for a season, right? Like, it's good, it's fun. But there's always, always a price to pay for our sin. Always. And it, the thing about sin is it never, ever satisfies. Hebrews 11.25, talking about Moses, it said that he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. These pleasures of sin, they, they only last for a season, and they will leave you empty. But consider something for a moment. Consider what the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 55. He said, the Lord says, this is God speaking, all you, I like that phrasing, all you who are thirsty, all you who are thirsty, come and drink. That means you, that means you. Go ahead and elbow somebody next to you and tell them, that means you. It means the people in this church, it means the people in other churches, it means the people outside of the church. It means people outside of the family of God. All you. If you're thirsty, come and drink. Those of you who do not have money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. In other words, it's free. What I've got for you is free, guys. 
Why spend your money on something that's not real food? Why, why try all this other stuff? This is the best stuff and it's free. So why work for something that doesn't really satisfy you? Listen closely to me. This is God asking us to lean in. And you will eat what is good. Your soul will enjoy the rich food that satisfies. Simple church, it's time for a different meal. It's time for us to begin filling up on the things that will actually satisfy us. And it's time to stop filling up on the things that don't. So get curious. Get curious in your prayer time. At the end of service today, be quiet. Ask the Holy Spirit, search me. What is it within me? What am I filling up on? Invite him to search your heart today. Second reason we don't hunger and thirst for all God has for us is because we've never experienced the goodness of God. You know, there's, there's an invite, and I give an invitation every single week, and God is giving that invitation even more often than I am. But I think for a lot of us, the reason that we say, nah, I'm good, is because we think we know what God's all about. The problem is we don't really know how good it is. This past weekend, my wife and I celebrated 17 years uh, as a married couple, and uh, we went out to the wilds, and after the wilds, we stopped by a restaurant. And, uh, and I ordered a, a, a burger, and she ordered a, uh, some coconut shrimp. Anybody a fan of coconut shrimp? Y'all are disgusting human beings. <laughs> there are two things in coconut shrimp that I am not for. Coconut and shrimp. It's a true story. Now, I'll do some, some shrimp at the, off of hibachi, right? Give me, give me some... Uh, Give me some grilled shrimp at, at, uh, at um, uh, any of those places where, they, where they're flipping it on the tables for you, the Japanese steakhouses. I like that. That's good. But I only have a bite or two because I want to ruin my appetite. I got steak coming after all. <laughs> but we're having dinner the other night, and she orders coconut shrimp. And she looks at me knowing that, that I'm not a huge fan of coconut and that I don't eat shrimp. I don't like seafood. And my bride looks at me and says, do you want a bite? She knows my answer. She knows. It's not that I have a problem with coconut. I have a problem really with surprise coconut, right? Like, if there's coconut in it and I don't know that it's in it, it's like, oh, that's coconut. <laughs> if that's the thing, right? I just need to explain myself. I don't know why. I just, I'm not a total barbarian, you know? But she offers me this coconut shrimp, and I was like, I'll try some. Sure, jaw just hits the table. She's like, are you serious? Says, yeah, dip it in that red stuff. Let's go. Let's do the whole thing. So I tried it, and guess what? I liked it. It was pretty good. Who knew the two things that I absolutely abhor would be great together? You know what I'm saying? And um, so they were really tasty. For you, let me get into your world. It might be like pineapple on pizza, right? Uh, see? I knew I was going to get into your camp. Some of you are like yucking our yum over here, and you've never tried it because it doesn't sound good. Those of you that have tried it are like, oh, dear Lord, this is it. Let me tell you something. Order it from Massey's. Get pepperoni. They have a, a bacon that is smoked bacon, and then they put pineapple on it. I will wait for the thank yous to come rolling in. <laughs> Honestly, if pineapple on, on uh, pizza is wrong, I don't want to be right. I don't want to be right. But we, but we push back against these things, right? Ah, it just doesn't sound good. We do this to God as well. 
that just doesn't sound good to me. That sounds a little restrictive. That sounds a little like, ah, uh, you know, I don't know. It, I've never done that before. It just, just sounds like a little too much, like, like baptism, right? We talk about baptism, and this is the first thing Jesus commands us to do. If we're Christ followers, and he's in charge, and he's Lord, we're supposed to do what he says, and he tells us to get baptized. And some of you are like, eh, I don't know. I don't like being up in front of people. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 you know, I did it as a kid. It wasn't meaningful for me. I just kind of did it because I was told to. But yeah, I'm, I'm good. And you say no. And you, and you don't know the powerful experience that you're missing out on. Anybody who's ever been baptized in this tank knows the joy that happens when you come up out of that water. You can't know it till you do it. What about the joy of being in a, in a grow group? There is so much to be gained from sharing and doing life with other people. And you push back and you say, no, I don't want my, my issues in my life. I don't want to be a burden to anyone, so I'm, I'm just not going to go. And, you know, I went to this one group, and I didn't really like it. And, and so you just gave up on it? No, I'm not going to go. I'm, I, you, you'll never know the beauty of sharing life with others until you do it. You'll never know the healing power that comes from sharing and being vulnerable with somebody and saying, this is where I'm struggling. James 5, 16, confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another so you can be healed. You'll never experience that unless you do it. You've got to be in close proximity to people to do it. What about leading a group? Some of you are like, oh, I've never led anything before. Can I tell you about my friend Kyle? Kyle's our executive pastor. She's sitting right here on the front row. I was in a small group with Kyle at our last church together before we launched out to plant this church. We were in a prayer group. Kyle joined us. And Kyle said, I've never prayed in front of people before. And I said, well, this is your week. And what did you do, Kyle? She said, I prayed that I didn't have to pray. She prayed. She prayed. Now Kyle, Kyle's the number two in charge here at this church. God is doing something incredible in her life because she, there was something she'd never done before. You're never going to know what that's like. You're never going to know the beauty and the freedom that comes from praying out loud in front of other people unless you do it. Maybe leading a group. You're like, ah, I don't think I got what it takes. Listen, let me tell you something. God doesn't call those who, who are equipped. He equips those that he calls. And so if he's put on your heart to lead a small group or lead a grow group here, he'll give you everything you need. It'll transform you. It'll grow you. It'll challenge you. You'll pray. That's not a bad thing. You'll grow as a result. And it's the same thing for all these things God has throughout, his, throughout Scripture. Tithing, becoming a member of the church, putting down your roots and saying, I'm committing to be here. Serving one another, getting on the dream team. These things will grow you and they'll bless you and they'll lead to fulfillment. Going on mission trips, joining us for First Wednesday, coming and praying on Saturdays. Things you've never done before, but you've said, nah, I don't think I really need that. Don't need it. I don't want it. It's not for me. And I'm here to tell you, it's all for you. All, every bit of it's for you. When it comes to the things of the Lord, David encouraged us in Psalm 34, taste and see the Lord is good. My friends, God is offering us the greatest meal possible, and he's offering it to us through his word. He says, there's all this stuff, and it'll satisfy you. It will leave you full and fulfilled. 
Give it a try. What do you honestly have to lose? What do you have to lose? You have no idea what you're missing out on if you don't try it. I think others of us, though, some of us, we reject God. Not because we don't think it's for us, but because maybe you've tried it, and the way somebody prepared it was painful for you. Well, what I mean is, is that maybe somebody took God's word and they beat you over the head with it. Maybe they abused your heart and abused your life. Maybe they used its words and they twisted them. They spoke shameful things over you. And, and, and if that's the case, I would understand why you wouldn't want it. Have you ever eaten anything that was just prepared the wrong way? Maybe undercooked, overcooked, too much salt? Of course. If that's the way it is all the time, why would you want it? Why would you want a religion that gives you a whole bunch of rules instead of the relationship that God promises that you could have? Why would you want a counterfeit? I, I watched a preacher this week get up on stage and yell and scream, panting, walking back and forth. You know what he's yelling and screaming about? You would have thought that he was trying to get people saved. He was yelling and screaming about men having beards. He said, you know what? You can't have a beard and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> Chapter and verse. Where's that found in the Bible, please? Oh, it's not there? Oh. You're just yelling. Abusing people, bringing them under condemnation and shame. If that's your experience with Christianity, I wouldn't want it either. In fact, I didn't. That's why I went looking for something real and I found it. I found it. Christians like, you, like that maybe made you resent God, maybe made you hate everything related to God and all that he has to offer. Why? Because you've got a bad taste in your mouth. But I'm here to tell you that what they were offering you is, is a counterfeit. It's something called religion, not a relationship with God. You'll never know how good God is unless you give it a try. And if you've been hurt, I'm so sorry. But I'm going to ask you to give it a try again. I'm okay if you try it with caution. I'm okay if you take a little bite, but my prayer is that you give it a try. Paul prayed this for the churches he served in Ephesians 3. He said, I pray that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Watch this. Here's the reason why. That you may be filled, satisfied to the measure of all the fullness of God. He wanted them to experience what he had experienced. He wanted them to taste and see, and he was always inviting them to be filled. And I'm here today, I'm inviting you like Paul did. And my invite, of course, for those of you that are here with us today, is for you to give me a year of your life. Do everything that we do. Go all in. Do it all with us. What do you have to lose? If you're here today and you've been trying a whole bunch of other stuff, and you're still unsatisfied, go all in. Do what we do. Join us for prayer. Show up for First Wednesday. Get baptized next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're doing baptisms. You can mark your connection cards today. 
Drop them in the give box or drop them at the Connect Center after service today. We'll get you all the information you need this week to get baptized next Sunday. You'll never know, guys, how beautiful of an experience that is until you do it. You just can't describe it. You just can't describe it. Become a member of our church. Go to Growth Track. Growth Track is first, second, third, and fourth Sundays of the month right after service. Serve on the dream team. Grow in your generosity. Test God in tithing. Invite others to church. Commit to doing it. Test God in these things. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I need to be very clear from, with you. I don't want anything from you. All I want is good things for you. And God wants those for you even more than I do. So give us a year and watch how your life changes. Taste and see. I've never had anybody who took me at that challenge from me come back to me and tell me that was a waste of time. Never had anybody say, you know what, that, that was too rough, that wasn't good. I did everything you asked me to do, and my life didn't change at all. It's never happened. It's never happened. So that's why we don't hunger and thirst, because we fill up on other things. And, and maybe because we don't know how good God is. But let me show you how you can be filled if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. And righteousness is two things. You're taking notes. I'll go through them quickly. Righteousness is right standing with God. It's right standing with God. That's what Jesus paid for, by the way, right? So that our sins could be washed clean, so that you and I could be in right standing with God. Romans 1.17 says, the good news shows how God makes people right with himself. By the way, righteousness or right standing also means right relationship, right? Some of us have had the wrong relationship. We've had a religious relationship with God. There's a right relationship you can have. Romans 3.25, we are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for us. And some of you will do this today. Some of you are going to place your faith and your hope in Jesus today. At the end of today's service, you're going to be made right. Not by joining a church, but by being forgiven, by being made right. Jesus paid for our sins so that we could be in right standing, in right relationship with God. That right relationship, by the way, is a father-to-child relationship. Romans 5, 9, Paul said, And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God, friendship, this is the right relationship, guys. Our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. How many of you have ever considered that what God intended all along was for you to call him friend? Friends of God. It sounds different than what religion offers. We aren't made right by joining a church. We aren't made right by doing everything right. Or by trying to make up for our failures and our sins. No. We're made right with God by coming into right relationship with God. This right here will leave you satisfied and full. Now, righteousness is not only right standing with God, it's also right living on earth. So here's the thing. God makes us right, but he also makes us right so that we can live right. And he has a way for us to do that. He describes it in his words. It's why it's important that we lean in. That's why it's important that we listen to what God has to say to us. His word is speaking. It is relevant for us today. It can't just be a moment where we were made right. We need to take that moment we were made right and begin to live right as well. 
what is right? Well, what is truth? Isn't that, isn't that subjective, Pastor Aaron? Nope, sure isn't. I got people saying, well, I'm living my truth right now. This is my truth. How's that going for you? Is it leaving you satisfied? Is it leaving you filled? I'm not going to argue with you if that's, if that's the life you want to live. If you want to live your truth, you can go ahead and do that. Because I know you'll be back. Because I know you're going to find that your truth, the way you're defining it, the way you want to live, is not going to lead to fulfillment. It's not going to lead to satisfaction. That if you're really looking for it, it's only found in one place, in one place alone. And that's in relationship with God. Some of you think that good living is what makes a difference. And it's not good living that makes a difference. It's right living. The fact of the matter is, if you pursue this, doing it your own way, you, just like the prodigal son who left his father's house, are going to wind up in a pig pen. You're going to wind up in a place going, I made a mess of things, and it's better back at dad's house. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. Proverbs 14, 12, Solomon says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And he wasn't just talking about physical death. He's talking about death of your opportunities, death of your relationships, death in every area of your life. You want to go your own way? That's okay. You'll, you'll be met with death. You'll be met with the pig pen. So what do we do then? We need to lean into God's truth. Because God's truth alone is what is right. God's truth alone is what is truth. It's not subjective. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. His word is truth. So what we need to do is we have right living on earth by pursuing the lifestyle that God intends. And my friends, I'm telling you, culture is shifting. Culture is shifting. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians are shifting along with it. Aligning ourselves with the world's political beliefs, aligning ourselves with the world's agendas, aligning ourselves with the world's truth, aligning ourselves with the world's pleasures. Culture is shifting all around us. But I'm here to tell you, church, that that's not who we are, and Simple Church is not going to shift with culture. We're just not going to do it. You say, Aaron, are you, are you trying to change me? I would to God that you would be changed. Yeah, absolutely. I want to see you transformed. I want to see you have all that God has for you. Because for me personally, I want to be made more like Jesus every day, and that's my prayer every day. Lord, may I decrease so that you de increase. Make me more like you today. If I want that, i got to pursue God and his righteousness. Solomon, in the way of righteousness, there is life. Again, that means fulfillment. Along that path is immortality. So there's life if you pursue his righteousness. There's also eternity in heaven. That's the great bonus in it, right? Let me just close with one last story, one last thing. In John chapter 4, Jesus has been traveling after he uh, does his first miracle at this wedding in Cana. He's traveling with his disciples, and Jesus is exhausted. It's been a long journey. They're traveling through Samaria, which is a place the Jewish people wouldn't want to be because they considered the Samaritans half-breeds. Three Potter fans, mudbloods. They didn't like them. And they're traveling through Samaria, and they don't have any food, so Jesus sends off his disciples to go find some food. And Jesus sits down at the well, exhausted, and a woman comes up 
who was a Samaritan. And Jesus steps through gender barriers because men didn't talk to women at that day. And he steps through racial barriers because the Jews didn't associate with the Samaritan. And he begins to talk to her. And he, t- and he asks for a drink of water. And as she's getting him a drink of water, he said, you know, he said, I've got something that if you drank it, you'd never be thirsty again. She said, I'd really like to have that water. I'd really love to not have to come here in the middle of the day, which, by the way, she's coming in the middle of the day because she's a total outcast in her community. She didn't come in the cool of the morning. It was like noon, and she's coming in the heat of the day to draw water because she was looking to be alone. And she said, yeah, I'd like to have that water. I'd like to never have to come up here again. He said, Jesus said, okay, go get your husband. She said, sir, I got no husband. He said, what you said is true. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with now ain't your husband. See, she wrote her own book of Ecclesiastes. She tried, it didn't satisfy her. She tried, didn't bring fulfillment. She tried again and again and again. She gets a little uncomfortable that Jesus has read her mail, and she says, you know, I know that satisfaction is coming. She said, but I know that this satisfaction is coming in the form of a person, the Messiah, but it's been a long time. He hasn't shown up yet, and Jesus looks at her and says, this is the first person he ever announces it to. He said, the one that you're looking for is me. I'm the one who brings this satisfaction. I'm the one you've been waiting for. And Jesus is, says this in John chapter 4, verse 26. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. This is my point today. If you find yourself unsatisfied, longing for something that will fulfill you, you don't have to look any, any longer. Jesus is that answer. Jesus is the answer when nothing else is working in your life. Jesus. You're welcome to continue doing things your way, but I promise you, you'll be back. I'm not arrogant. I just know that's how it works. I don't mean to sound cocky. So why not, if you're going to come back anyway, why not choose now? Why not experience the satisfaction that only comes in a relationship with God? today. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you search us today. Whatever's been getting in the way, whatever's been keeping us from experience, experiencing uh, the fulfillment that comes with tasting and enjoying you, I pray, Lord, that, that you would reveal it to us. That as we lean in, as we turn our hearts to you, you'll show us what's getting in the way. I don't, why don't we hunger and thirst? What's going on within us? What is it we're filling up on that is still leaving us unsatisfied? And maybe for some of you, there's been that pain of the presentation, the pain of religion, and maybe, maybe what you need most today is to forgive that person that hurt you. Forgive that leader, forgive that pastor, maybe that teacher. Maybe it was a parent, somebody that smacked you around with religion. Maybe it's time to forgive so that you can taste and see that God is good. So Lord, I pray that you would give us a passion. You would give us an appetite for the things that you have for us. And as we pursue your righteousness, may we experience total satisfaction, Lord. May we be fulfilled in Jesus' name. Soften our hearts, Lord. Soften our hearts and help us to trust you so that we can go all in. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is your moment to go all in.
Maybe you've never gone all in with Jesus. Maybe, maybe you have before and you've walked far from him. The good news is, is that you're never far from God and he's not angry at you. In the story of the prodigal son, the son who walked away from his father and essentially told him, Dad, I wish you were dead. When he said, it's better back at Dad's house and I'll go and be, be a servant there. The dad was on the porch looking for him and he ran out to hug him and to kiss him. Your heavenly father is the same way. He's not angry at you. He's watching the horizon for you to come home. <laughs> he longs to satisfy the thirst and the hunger of your souls. So today, if you're ready, the answer is Jesus. You don't have to do anything for it except, except him, receive him. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you want to be included on that prayer, join me. It's not the words that save you, it's your heart. The Bible says with your heart you believe and with your mouth you confess. And then you'll be saved. So if you're going to pray with me today, I, I do believe you need to, you do need to make a decision. And nobody's looking around right now. If you're going to make that decision today and pray with me and mean it from your heart, would you just slip your hand up right now and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm doing that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Church, there's people praying today and we're going to join them. Nobody prays alone. They're part of the family now. So let's all pray together. Say, Jesus, I need you. You're the only one who'll satisfy me. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, Simple Church. Can we celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today? Come on, that's the reason why we're here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the, the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.